So um, a couple weeks ago, I was getting dressed to come to work, and my belt broke. The belt buckle. I have one of those really nice reversible belts, you know. It's brown on one side, black on the other. That's all you need if you got one of those, and the buckle broke. And so I began to look for a new belt, and I would look, you know, at Walmart. Didn't have what I wanted. I looked at, I really liked the one I had. Uh, it was a Dockers brand, and I looked at uh, Target. I looked at several different places. Just couldn't find one like the one I had or one that I wanted. And uh, finally, I got on the Internet, and I looked it up, and... and uh, got a belt and you know what happens when you go searching on the internet uh, all of a sudden you start to get ads uh, and every time you open your phone you have an ad for belts uh, even though I have one on the way it's supposed to be here Tuesday I'm still getting ads for belts and as I thought about that I began to think about how relentless companies are to try to get their advertising out, to, to get you to see their product, to get you to buy their product, uh, to get. I, I did, uh, found a little article talking about advertising. Did you know there are 350,995 billboards in America along the side of the road, more than any other country in the world? Uh, this article talked about Google and Facebook. They do ads on the Internet. That's how they make their income. Google has 28% of the online market. Facebook has 24.5%. Uh, YouTube has a large percent. The article also says that YouTube made in 2021 $28.8 .8 billion in revenue off of internet ads. Just think about that for a minute. Billions of dollars of income are being spent. Companies go all out to get their idea, to get their product, to get what they have to offer out in front of the people. In 1970, average American would see between 500 and 1600 different ads a day. You know, it might be a billboard, might hear it on the radio, see it on TV, uh, be in a magazine or whatever. In 2017, you see between 4,000 and 10,000 ads a day. Now, the article goes on to say you only, uh, you only pay attention to about 100 of those and you only, uh, you only retain the information for just a handful. I guess it depends on if you need a belt, then you will pay attention to a belt ad. But as I begin to think about that, I begin to think about how companies are, are striving to get their message out. And the thought just hit me. Jesus wants to get his message out. He really does. And what's interesting is, though, Jesus chose to use people. Jesus chose to use people to get his message out to the world. We're continuing our series today on the book of Acts, and of course the title of that series is The Church is Born. And today we're going to move forward as we think about the way that Jesus began to get his message out 
to the world in that day. And the title of the message is The Gospel, The Spread of the Gospel Expands. And we're really going to see it begin to expand today. You know, last week we, we looked at Peter and how God, he was the leader of the apostles, the leader of the church, and God had to change his mind about reaching out to Gentile people, non-Jewish people, and he did. And Peter began to condone that, and the gospel began to spread, and the message started to get out to the people. We're going we're gonna to see how that happened today. And I raise this question, what does it take to spread the gospel message? You know, really, if you think about it, what does it take to spread any message? You need the right people. You need the right people that are willing to take that message and figure out a way to get that message out to the people. We're going to really see how a man named Saul, who became Paul, the Apostle Paul, was instrumental in getting that message out. And so as we go forward today, we're going to, we're going to think about this. I'd like for you to turn to, uh, to Acts chapter 13. We'll see the Apostle Paul in action today. You know, the last time, last week, when we studied our passages of Scripture, we touched just a little bit on Barnabas and Saul, who were up in a town called Antioch. And there they began to spread the gospel, talk to, um, talk to uh, Gentile people, and really bring them to the Lord. But what we didn't talk about was in chapter 12 was that uh, a prophet came and predicted there was going to be a famine over the whole world. And so Paul and Barnabas uh, incited that church to, um, to gather an offering, and they took that offering over to Jerusalem for use during this famine. It hadn't happened yet, but they took that offering over uh, to Jerusalem and the end of chapter 12 says they returned and they brought with them this guy called John, uh, who was also called Mark. And we pick up in Acts chapter 13 today, verse 1. Now in the church at Antioch, there were prophets and teachers. Barnabas, Simeon called Niger, Lucius of Cyrene, Manaean, who had been brought up with Herod the Tetrarch, and Saul. While they were worshiping the Lord and fasting, the Holy Spirit said, Set apart for me Barnabas and Saul for the work to which I have called them. So after they had fasted and prayed, they placed their hands on them and sent them off. The two of them, sent on their way by the Holy Spirit, went down to Seleucia and sailed from there to Cyprus. When they arrived at Salmas, they proclaimed the word of God in the Jewish synagogue. John, that is John Mark, was with them as their helper. That John Mark would later be called mostly Mark, and he is the author of the Gospel of Mark, which we believe is really the, the writings of Peter or the memoirs of Peter. Nonetheless, he's not an apostle, but he is with Barnabas and Saul and helping to spread the gospel. I ask that question, what does it take to spread the gospel message? First thing I want you to see is it's servants who are willing to go. Servants who are willing to go. You know, many times when you read the Bible and God gets up to something, 
It's about going. Go all the way back to Abraham in the book of Genesis. And God told Abraham, go to the land I will show you. Move on up to the time of Moses. And, and God said, you know, his people have been in slavery for over 400 years. And he comes down to Moses and he said, I've seen the suffering of my people. And I want to save them. Now you go. And he sends Moses. And Moses goes and frees the people. In fact, his message to Pharaoh, let my people go. So go is always a big theme with God. Think about the prophet Isaiah. Israel was caught up in a lot of sin, and, and God calls Isaiah, I want you to go take this, or, or this message needs to go. And he asked Isaiah, who will go? And Isaiah says, here am I, send me. And he goes to the people with this message that he has. Jesus told his disciples, go and make disciples. Peter was told as he was, uh, uh, had this vision, he was said, you know, some Gentiles are going to come to you. Do not hesitate to go with them. God wants his people going. Barnabas and Saul were willing to go. They were led by the Spirit. They were sent out. They went to the coast. They got on a boat. They sailed down to an island called Cyprus. This was in the Mediterranean Sea, just below what we call Turkey today. It was Asia Minor back in that day. And, uh, and they go to this island, and they land there uh, at Salamis, uh, first town. This island is actually about 150 miles long from tip to tip, but they land in Salamis. It's at the bottom a little bit, a uh, southern part on the eastern coast and they travel across, and they share the gospel, it says, throughout that whole island. And they were working to bring people to Jesus, and they end up on the other side, the western side of that island, uh, and, and at Paphos, and there they met this Jewish sorcerer. Now, the words Jewish and sorcerer are a red flag. Uh, no good Jew would ever be a sorcerer. But this guy is, and on top of that, he works for a government official. He was an aide to the proconsul there, uh, which was sort of the capital of that island. And so he's working for the Roman government. And the, uh, the proconsul, whose name was Sergius Paulus, wanted to hear Paul and Barnabas speak. But this... Elymas, this sorcerer, he tries to persuade them not, uh, not to listen to him. And Paul just became fed up with him. And he said, look, you're an agent of the devil, and God's going to strike you blind. And he did. Verse 12, I love it. When the proconsul saw what happened, he believed, for he was amazed at the teaching about the Lord. He was amazed that his assistant had been struck blind, too. And so here, here they are. They're sharing the gospel. They have this, this, um, this official. And the beginning of the first missionary journey, really, on record, happens right here with the Apostle Paul and Barnabas. Remember now, Jesus taught that all believers are to go. Go make disciples, he said. That doesn't mean necessarily you've got to go to a foreign land. The word Jesus used for go is a, 
is a word that means going or as you go or when you go, you make disciples. You try to share the gospel. You try to, to bring that message. You see, Jesus wants his message out too. And he's competing against all these other messages that all these companies are trying to spread. And he wants to use you to do that. And you know what? We're going to run into a lot of people that don't want to hear it. They don't want to believe. They don't want to try to believe. They're going to try to shut us down. I heard about this comedian. Her name is Kathy Landum. She said, all religions are the same. Religion is basically guilt with a different holiday. <laughs> now, I had to think about that for a minute. It's kind of humorous. Uh, what she's saying is religion just wants to heap guilt on you to get you to quit sinning and different religions all have different holidays so religion is guilt with a different holiday well that's not really true you know religion is about what you do but Christianity is not about religion Christianity is about a relationship it's about a relationship with the Lord Jesus that brings us into a relationship with God and he wants us to be not someone who does a lot of ritual but someone who is a believer and a follower in Jesus Christ and that brings us into the right relationship with Jesus with God I like what the Apostle Paul would later write in the book of Romans in chapter 10 how can they call on one they have not believed in and how can they believe in one whom they have not heard? And how can they hear without someone preaching to them? And how can anyone preach unless they are sent? As it is written, how beautiful are the feet of those who bring good news. God's saying, you know, it's common sense. The message won't get out if we don't take it. You know, for whatever reason, God has decided to use people. He's not going to ride it across the sky. You know, he's not going to put it on the internet or on a billboard. We might. We have done all kinds of things to try to get the message out. We've put up billboards. We use Facebook and, and all the different forms of social media to get our message out. You know what? I was told that some of our women are going to be on uh, uh, Channel 5 TV this coming week with Preston Ayers at noon talking about our women's retreat. I thought that was pretty cool. We're, we're going to get the message out. We're going to use TV to do that. But Paul and Barnabas were willing to go and take the message. Now look at chapter 13, verse 13. From Paphos, Paul and his companions sailed to Pergia and Pamphylia, where John left them to return to Jerusalem. We'll say more about that in the weeks to come. From Pergia, they went on to Pisidian Antioch on the Sabbath. They entered the synagogue and sat down. After reading from the law and the prophets, the leaders of the synagogue sent word to them, saying, Brothers, if you have a word of exhortation for the people, please speak. Standing up, Paul motioned with his hand and said, Fellow Israelites and you Gentiles, who worship God, listen to me. What does it take to spread the gospel message? I'll tell you what it takes. It takes servants who know 
and tell the gospel message. Servants willing to go and servants who know and tell the gospel message. And that's what Paul began to do. He went through and recounts the history of Israel and how, how they'd been promised a Messiah. And, and just to sum it up, he, he quoted some scripture. Uh, he even talked about King David, how he had, had uh, served. He talked about Jesus being crucified and raised from the dead. And he said about David, you know, he said when David served God's purpose, he went to the grave and his body decayed. But not Jesus. Jesus was raised from the grave. And he used scripture to back this up. And through Jesus, forgiveness of sins is proclaimed to you. And that you can be forgiven and set free from your sins. And as they were leaving the synagogue that day, some of the people said, we want to hear more about this. We're interested on this. So the next Sabbath day, they had them speak again, and a whole town showed up. I would love that. I would love to see the whole town show up to hear a message. Even if it wasn't me, if it was somebody else, I would love to see the whole town show up. And what happened? Those Jewish people, they got jealous. They were jealous about what Paul and Barnabas were doing. And Paul and Barnabas said, look, we just had to speak what God has called us to do. And the Gentiles, they jumped all over it. But you know what happened? Some of the Jews weren't too happy with it. But verse 49 says, The word of the Lord spread through the whole region. You know, Paul knew his stuff. He knew his scriptures. He knew the message. And he shared, and people believed, and people came to know Jesus. We have a problem in our culture, and especially in the church today. We have a lot of people who want the security of heaven, but we don't have as many who really want to be disciples and learners and followers of Jesus. And as a result of that, the church has become very shallow. Now, I'm not talking about any specific person here, but I'm telling you, the church, the studies are showing people don't know the Bible. There's a biblical illiteracy problem in the church, not to mention outside the church, but in the church. And you know, the key to being the disciple that Jesus wants is the Word of God and understanding the Word and knowing the Word and studying the Word. How else are we going to know what God expects? How else are we going to know who Jesus really is? How else are we going to find the joy that He wants us to? That's why we entered into our Engage plan and the first phase of that plan, remember what it was, to engage Jesus. That's discipleship. And to be a disciple. This, this fall, coming up in just a few weeks, we are going to relaunch our uh, Steps to Discipleship program. And I'm going to start a sermon series in August. It's going to be called The Basics of the Faith, where we go back and we learn who is God. He's creator, and learn about that. Where we learn... Uh, what is God's Word? and Who is Jesus? And, and what is real faith? And, 
what does it mean to repent and why are we baptized and, and what is the church and how do we pray and, and how do we worship and why, why are we give and what is our mission as a church and what's going to happen when Jesus returns? We need to learn and know those things. Those are basics to the faith. And you know something? We can't make you be a disciple. I can't. Our elders can't. Got two of them here, David and David and John, and maybe some others out there. We can't make you be a disciple, but we can provide opportunity for you to learn and for you to grow. And for good reason. Because God designed this world to operate at its best when his disciples are operating at their best. When we operate on Christian principles, man, it makes for such a better world. And when we don't, you see the immorality that we're experiencing today all across our land, and it affects us all. A lot of people stood against Paul and Barnabas. Uh, verse 50 there in chapter 13 talks about how they... Um, they Jewish leaders got together and cited women and men against Paul and Barnabas. Uh, they expelled them from that area. And Paul and Barnabas, what did they do? They shook the dust off their feet. That's what Jesus, in Matthew chapter 10, that's what he told his disciples to do. When you go to one town and they reject you, shake the dust off your feet. That's sort of symbolic for, okay, we're going to get rid of whatever was whatever of you that was on us, we're trying to get rid of it because we're going to move on. There are other people that will want to hear the message that we have, and they moved on to a place called Iconium. You know, we live in this world where there's so many that don't know the message, and as a result, there are many who try to tear down God's design. We need to know. Some of you might recall the name Bill Maher. He has had several talk shows, one called uh, Politically Incorrect and an, another one called uh, Real Time with Bill Maher. He made a movie a few, few years ago called Religious. Religious. And in this movie, what he does is he shows all the world religions, but he mocks them. He makes fun of them. But about two-thirds of the movie... Over 60% of the movie is about Christianity. And what he does is he goes to people who claim to be Christians, but they don't know enough to put up an argument with the argument that he makes against Christianity. And so he makes them look shallow and like they don't know. You know, they don't even know why they're Christians. That movie was billed as the number one sacrilegious comedy in the U.S. How do you stand up against that? He's a very intelligent guy, by the way. He's just not a believer. How do you stand up against that? By knowing and telling God's truth. And that begins with you. And if we're going to survive this world, if we're going to if we're going to help God get His message out, we got to know and we got to tell the truth and I understand that there's some people that are just not going to get it and they're not going to want it 
but our job is still to know and tell. We move into chapter 14, and they moved on to Iconium. And they went, as was their pattern. They go to the Jewish synagogue, try to preach there. And then if they get rejected, then they'll move out and preach to the Gentiles. But they go first to the Jewish believers. They have a lot in common with them, and that's where they start in each of these towns. And some of the Jews believed, and some didn't. The text says they spoke boldly for the Lord, and some sided with the apostles, and some sided with the Jews that wouldn't believe. And their leaders were going to, they made a plan to stone Paul and Barnabas but they found out about it, and so they left, and they moved on to other towns, Lystra and Derby, and the surrounding area where they continued to preach the gospel. I want you to look at this map for just a minute we're going to put up. This sort of traces Paul and Barnabas' uh, uh, trip, and as you see here, they went down. They came out uh, of Antioch over on the far left-hand side, went to Seleucia Seaport there, and they sailed over to Salmas, went across that island of Patmos, and then they left Patmos and went up and came into uh, Italia and then uh, moved over to Pergia. They went up to Antioch. That's Antioch of Pisidia, not the Antioch on the other side, two different cities, Iconium, uh, Lystra, Derby. <clears throat> then they sort of retraced their steps, went back the same way, and they came back. This time they didn't go back to Cyprus, but they just cut across and went back home to Antioch. That's sort of, you can pull a, a map of Paul's first missionary journey up. There's probably one in the back of your Bible. You can find one on the Internet if you'd like to study that a little more. Uh, but, they, but they went, they traveled, and they were going. And they go to this town, Lystra. <laughs> and when they get to Lystra, they heal a guy who had never walked. And all of a sudden, the people said, Oh, the gods have come down. And they were thinking Greek gods. And they called Paul Zeus, and they called Barnabas Hermes, two of their famous gods with a little g. And, and Paul and Barnabas say, No, we're, we're not those gods. Don't, don't worship us. We came to bring you good news about the forgiveness of sins. And they had a hard time keeping the people from worshiping us, but at least they were listening. And then verse 19 says, Then some Jews from Antioch and Iconium won the crowd over, and they stoned Paul and dragged him outside of the city, thinking he was dead. But after the disciples had gathered around him, they got up and went back to the city the next day, he and Barnabas left for Derby. They preached the gospel in that city and won a large number of disciples. Then they returned to Lystra, Iconium, and Antioch, strengthening the disciples, encouraging them to remain true to the faith. We must go through many hardships to enter the kingdom of God, they said. Paul and Barnabas appointed elders for them in each church and with prayer and fasting committed them to the Lord in whom they had put their trust. What does it take to spread the gospel message? Thirdly, servants who endure hardship and trust the Lord. Obvious by now, Paul 
has become the leader. Over and over we see now Paul's name come first. Not Saul, but he's called Paul, and it comes ahead of Barnabas, whereas previously it's been Barnabas and Saul. Now it's Paul and Barnabas. Same two guys, it's just that Paul seems to be a little more prominent. And these people didn't like what he was saying, some of the Jewish people. He dragged them out of the city, and they were going to stone him. That's where group of people gather around with big rocks and they begin to throw them at you uh, to try to kill you and they thought Paul was dead and they dragged him out of the city didn't want anything to do with him uh, but he was not dead he was a tough old dude and he got up and he was revived by some of the believers and went back into the city the next day they left and they moved on and you notice there that they established these churches these congregations they did more than just preach. They taught them, and they appointed elders, and they got to know the people a little bit so that these churches could thrive. And Paul will come back and visit them at a later time. Many of these churches were located in an area called Galatia, which is Paul later writes the letter to the Galatians. You know, as I, I begin to think about this and the hardship they endured and, and how they trusted the Lord even though they got kicked out of towns and beaten up, I begin to think, how does God spread the gospel message? The servants who endure hardship and trust the Lord. Joseph Stoll was at one time the president of Moody Bible Institute, a college a, a seminary up in Chicago area. And uh, he went on a trip to Russia, he and his wife. And there they got to meet with this older Russian uh, pastor. And he, had, uh, he was a preacher in a little small backwoods town at this time. But Joseph said he was very interesting. And he sat on his porch and began to talk with him. And he said, tell me a little bit about yourself. And he said, well, uh, I was a pastor since I was a young man. And uh, during the Stalin years, some KGB agent showed up at my house and they said uh, we we need your help uh, we're going to pay you and we want you to tell us about the people in your church we're not going to shut down your church we just want information and we're going to pay you uh, to to give us this information we're going to take care of you and uh, he thought about it and he said you know I couldn't betray first of all my God and secondly I couldn't betray the people that he had entrusted me with and so they gave him a trip to a prison camp in Siberia. Coldest place in the world. They sent him there. He said by the time they got there, they had marched so far, his boots were wore out, he was tired. But they had this work camp, and Stalin had organized this so that they could build towns in Siberia and populate that area. And they went out. 60-mile uh, radius of this little town where they stayed at in Siberia, and they began to build towns. But that's not all they did, because all these people that went with him were Christians being persecuted religiously. And they began to establish churches. And Stoll said as he talked to this older man, he said, he got this satisfied look on his face, and he said, you know, as we went out there and established those churches now, today there are churches all over Siberia because of what we did you know I bet God was sitting up in heaven one day and said 
how do I get missionaries to go to Siberia? <laughs> All I need is somebody who's willing to go. All I need is somebody that knows and is willing to tell and somebody that can endure hardship who stands in God's truth. Here's a guy. And he was faithful to God and he took the message. And because of that, today there are churches in a place where nobody wants to go. What does it take to spread the gospel in Bristol, Tennessee? It takes a group of servants. A group of servants who are willing to go and a group of servants who know and tell and a group of servants who are willing to endure a little hardship and to trust God and the gospel will get out to this community more and more than it ever has. Verse 26, from Italia they sailed back to Antioch where they had been committed to the grace of God for the work they had now completed. On arriving there, they gathered the church together and reported all that God had done through them and how he opened the door of faith to the Gentiles. And they stayed there a long time with the disciples. Our connection point. God works through those committed to his grace to open doors for many to come to faith. You see, they had commitment. Paul and his cohorts, they spread the message. They went to the people to take this message. You know, think about all those advertisers out there vying for your attention. Who's vying on Jesus' behalf for the attention of the people? Will you? God has chosen to use us to be his advertisers. I was at a picnic not too long ago started rain people were worried we had a pretty good shelter but they were worried about lightning and things somebody said mark can't you pray and stop this i said no i'm in sales not management and then we all are we're in sales god's called us to go and make disciples spread the message take the message and you know what he needs he needs fat people. You know what fat stands for? Faithful, available, and teachable. And if you're fat, if you're faithful, and available, and teachable, God can use you. Are you willing to go? Let's pray. Father, gosh, we continue to learn more and more about the church and all that they did, how amazing it is, how the Spirit worked in these men, how He moved your message out. And Lord, we're grateful to see the faithfulness of these men. And we're grateful to see how you faithfully stood beside them. Did they have to endure hardship? Yes, sometimes. Did they stand in your truth and trust you? Yes, they did. And that message went out so that we 
got the message all the way down today. And we're saved because we heard that message and we believe. And so, Father, I pray that you help us to be just another link in the chain as we move on down the road to help spread the message of the gospel to a lost and a dying world. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen.